I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of the Wokecast. Joining me as usual is the Haitian sensation G. What's going on? Whoa, what up, mate? Yes, I am <laughs> sensational. What up? You, you, you weren't ready for that, were you? you no, ready but I ran with it. Should I come again? <laughs> no, no, I ran with it. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, actually. I feel suitably refreshed. You know what? I think um, the UFC have heard my cry because these earlier cards means us bleary-eyed blip Brits get to sleep earlier. We get to go to bed, um, well, in the dark as opposed to, you know, when the sun's coming up at 7 o'clock when the, uh, the fights are over. The man, long may this continue. What's it like for yours viewing pleasure on your side of the, the pond? It was kind of cool to watch the fights earlier, but for some reason I got really sleepy. Maybe because just the change of routine, but I got really sleepy, but I caught up on mm. everything in the morning, so I'm straight. Okay. Not bad. Well, what I thought we'd do this week is a really quick candy through an incredible card UFC 178. Cov uh, 178, UFC Fight Night 178, Covington versus Woodley, because we get um, a lot of listener questions, and it would be nice just to spend a little bit more time with listeners answering their questions, as opposed to just me and you giving our takes yeah. on the actual fights, but um, I thought it would be a really good idea just to quickly canter through, first off, the prelims of UFC Fight Night 178. Uh, Covington versus Woodley, and I wanted to start with the first two fights. Basically, the tale of two Rivieras, two Rivieras who were uh, found themselves on the wrong side of mm -hmm. well, one the decision and the other a KO. But starting first with Tyson Nam versus Jerome Riviera, loved that. I love the tight defense of Tyson Nam. I love the stalking style. I love the Muay Thai stance. Basically, just stalking down. Um, Jerome Riviera, and this was actually ref. This was one of the first fights ref by Chris uh, Tonioni. Now uh, that name we're going to come oh. back to um, <laughs> in I'm sure the we later are. or the the, the, the later <laughs> aspects of this recording. Now, you know, it's no surprise to be honest with you, considering that we saw flashes of this, uh, what was going to actually happen. Um, Tyson Nam has got a really heavy right hand and it was no surprise that one, he was almost as though he was testing that out in the first because it connected several times mm. um, to Jerome Riviera's not only his, his midsection but to his face as well I mean he's got a phenomenal right hand so it was no surprise that in the second round that right hand dropped Riviera which led to a TKO victory what did you reckon of that fight? I have a confession. I missed this fight, so I'm hanging Man. on to every word that you're telling me. And you know I'm something? on Google. You know something? Yes, go ahead. Uh, go it's ahead. because of you that I'm watching these. Man, it was a Don't lie, fight. Michael. It's because that shit was on earlier. You were <laughs> able to watch the show. Don't don't gaslight me. Y'all heard that gaslighting? No, no, but, but no, but no, no, facts, no, no. Facts are facts. It's you. He said, you know what? You're, you're missing out on the prelims. Usually, regardless, you know something? It just means that I would have woken up a little bit earlier catching the main card but you know what yes yeah. there's it's a combination of yes it was on earlier but now nah, i've taken to the prelims like with the quickness because like you say there's so much that you miss moving yeah. quickly on to uh andre uh yule and um the other riviera basically this was south southpaw versus um southpaw and i love the fact that um i'm not sure if you caught this but yule's reach was incredible now, when you oh, yeah, compare it, obviously, to the, to the short man, for some reason, um, I don't know what it was, but they seemed incredibly well matched because it wasn't as though it was a one-sided beatdown. For me, it was speed versus ferocity because yes. whilst Yule's reach was definitely on, on display and combinations as well to boot was absolutely incredible. I loved his versatility. I loved the um, fact that he could mix it up, not just on the feet, but on the ground yes. as well. I mean... 
in the first round, you would have seen that, you know, he was very, very quick to run through the transitions. And um, you, you could you could see, like, the makings of some real slick ground game there. But, um, you know, not to take anything away from Riviera as well, because... Or Rivera, sorry, as well, because... His uh, Superman punches, they're beautifully delivered. The spinning back kicks as well. He was trying that until, you know, oh, yeah. he, he kept that up until he actually landed. And the chopping leg kicks, man. Oh, yeah. He, he, he could kill trees with that one, no doubt. I loved it because of the technical display of striking on display. But also, just a chance, again, to discover someone that I, I have to say, I, I would never have seen had I not checked out the, um, the, the prelims. But... Um, he all came off uh, the victor in that, and uh, for me, I, I, I just it stuck. What stuck in my mind was the three and four punch combinations, which he just kept drilling. It was almost as though, you know, this was like tailor made for him in terms of um, opponent. Incredible! I loved it. How about yeah, you? I can tell you, you loved it, Mike. I like how you sound, but I can quite understand, you know, why you're invigorated. The fight was just fun. Um, Andre's reach, he used it quite well against Irwin, but Mike, Irwin was game. You know what I mean? Like, even though he was, you know, losing the fight and you could kind of tell that Andre was getting the better of him, he was game and landing some hard shots and some funky yep. stuff. I even saw a switch kick. Mm. You know, that Andre blocked, but still, I was like, damn, this guy is, is game to fight, and he's exciting. And I just saw him fight not too long ago, so we might see him fight again. You know, he's kind of one of those guys that's uh, being used quite often to be replaced. So, you know, I'm happy to see him fight again, but Andre did have a complete performance. I agree with I, you. I, I love the way that, you know, every, between rounds, he just stood up. He was just ready to go back out there. Yeah, no he stool was for having him. fun. Yeah, he was having fun. <laughs> it's always good to see them having fun out there. Mm. How about you? We, we're going with your two from the uh, the prelims now. Oh, not a problem, Mike. I, even though it got real sloppy and messy at, and with some controversy with that ref you mentioned earlier. What's his name again, Mike? Chris Tagoni. Tagoni, yes. I enjoy Jessica Rose Clark versus Sarah Alper until it turned into a massacre. Man. But, I mean, before we get into that, we got to give Jessica her props. I mean, mm. she showed up. They have, like, a similar record, but the difference between Jessica Rose and Sarah Alper is that Jessica Rose has, like, that UFC experience. She has wins over Paige Van Sant, Beck yeah. Rawlings. Yeah. She's even had a three-fight win streak, and then she lost, and, she, you know, she's had some time off. Sarah's a contender series pup. Even though she's gritty and she's tough, she doesn't have the same experience, so that's what mm. we saw. Jessica Rose clobbered her you know what I mean she beat her up and she was just always in the better positions she was the better grappler her takedown events was was really good but when the fight did hit the ground she was landing these vicious ground and pounds and she was just the better fighter and finally we had that controversy Mike she lands like a knee to her, Sarah's mm. face that makes mm. her face explode yep. and there is controversy it looks to be an illegal blow but it's not what did you think of the ref's actions when he stopped the fight? We don't know why. And then he has to check to see if it's illegal. And then he restarts the fight in the position that they were in. But clearly she's out of it and her face has exploded and she even appears injured. I was they, livid. What they you made think? it really clear on the broadcast that um, when they would be using instant replay that it would basically be the decisive moment in the fight. And that is the fight would be over. Mm -hmm. Now, for him to make up these rules on the fly made me think either you are the um, arbiter of these rules, you are the creator of these rules, you are the person who has overall say, or you're just making it up as you go along. And it made me think, you're not competent enough to do your job. Because yes. what I started off by saying with Chris um, refing the first fight, he was switched on, he was on it. Now, as soon as, you know, that right hand landed, he was circling, he was making sure that, you know, things were in order and that, you know, Jerome Rivera was still in the fight. He was very, very switched on. In this, it was like he was switched off and yeah. it was like he was making it up as he went along. Yeah, I was pissed too. Just like you, I was like, what the fuck is you doing? Yeah, because Sarah didn't deserve that beating after he just kind of was like, okay, back to the action. Sir, you yeah. don't see that if you had not interrupted this fight, like, let's say he knew that this was an illegal blow. Jessica Rose Clark would have got a TKO. She would have went from there and, and finished the fight. Thank so you. for him to restart the fight, to look at the poor girl's face, to see the girls out of it, I'm in my house once again on the couch and I can see that she's out of it. Why did he continue the fight? Just call it off. 
Weird. Whether exactly. it was disqual- whether it was a, a disqualification or a legal blow, call it off. You know, in a case like that, I know that at the end of each fight, and that is, um, sorry, at the end of the night, mm-hmm. um, the refs have to give an account of why they took a certain decision, why those steps were followed. In this particular case, I would love for that to be released to the media because it just beggars belief that he saw something different on the replay that we did. We were watching the replays with him. Yeah, this is the second week in a row where it's like what I see on TV is not what the ref saw and he was closer. Like it just gets kind of confusing sometimes. So I'm just Mm. like, and not only does it get confusing, now it's like I I almost want to call a manager or a supervisor here. Like who's your boss? Why do you get to affect people's livelihoods and Mm. possibly injure somebody or you get to you know, mess up somebody's record like when he messed up the fight between Ed Herman and, and Rodriguez. Exactly. Now Rodriguez has a loss on his um yep. record. Now this young lady could have a concussion that she didn't maybe need to have because mm. you let the fight go on. Who? When are they held responsible, Mike? These are serious things. Like I say, they are held responsible because... Um, uh, God, I forget the, the name of the ref that we had on... Um, with the lockdown interviews but when he came on basically mm. he was explaining look we have to we are held uh, to account and we have to make an account of ourselves and we have to explain where there is uh, contra- or controversy yeah but I mean it's like after you explain it what, what I just need more you know I get that he did that interview and whatnot, but to see these atrocious mistakes happen week after week and then another fight comes up and the same guy that you're like oh god here yeah. we go is yeah. still fighting but meanwhile have you seen Dan Hardy since he was unprofessional on the mic no there you go yeah but I've seen Herb Dean I've seen Chris Taoni mess up fights and now it's getting to a point that someone could is injured mm-hmm so I don't know. I need a little bit more, but I feel you. But I'm yeah. a, I know we're, we're pressed for time for listener questions. So let me jump on one more that mm-hmm. I was really excited about. Let's go. Um, Mursad Bektich versus Damian Jackson. You got to start giving these late replacement guys their props. Da- Damon Jackson took this fight, I think, on Wednesday. <laughs> okay, so he's a hell of a short notice. And here's a theory that I have, Mike. I think when these guys get late replacement fights, Mike, Mm. that the game plan for the fighter that had a full camp is to go out there and to beat the shit out of the guy and to just stay on him. And that's what Mursad did. I think when you get a late replacement, your job is to just drain the gas tank and beat them up and go for it. And Mursad did that. When the the fight started, he goes straight across the cage and he's on Damon's back the whole fight from there. Mm -hmm. And he's the better grappler at the moment. But as I'm watching the fight, I'm like, yo, Damon Jackson got some jujitsu on him he is defending well he is getting out of these things and it's getting pretty scary and then out of nowhere he grabs a kimura and you're like holy shit he's gonna he's gonna submit him Mursad gets out of it then the next thing you know he's in a guillotine and (laughs) Mursad pops his head out you're just like Mm -hmm. oh my god Mm -hmm. Damien is good and my favorite part about Damien was he was just so calm. There, his poker face, Mike, we talked about it last week. Even though he's going through it and Rasad's on his back, he shows no panic. There's no nothing. He's just like, no, no I'll defend. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then finally, Mursad, you know, gets, there's, not Mursad, but Damon sees an opening. He goes for it and gets a fucking, what, guillotine. It was beautiful. Late Incredible. replacement fighter. Yeah. It was a beautiful fight, and it was a performance of the night was given to Damon Jackson on short notice. What what a what a way for him to come back after losing three in a row in the UFC, having to go back on the regional circuit, and then you get called back so short notice, and you submit Mursad Bektich. What a night! Fairy tale. Fairy tale yeah. story. I loved yeah. as well that uh, on the broadcast they were referring to him as uh, Damon Martin, who was, uh, of course, the MMA fighting journalist. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that was I hilarious. Tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted Damon to say, you know, well done. I, I had every faith in you that you'd, you'd pull through. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love that his name is The Leech. I love that someone who is like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner and that can suffocate you or submit you, his name is The Leech. That is so appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> fast forwarding to the main card, Kevin Holland versus our man Darren, the dentist Stewart. Now, I, I think that come on, there's a certain amount of crow that you have to eat here. Oh. I'll tell you why. Now we know that this ended in a decision, and I love the way that Darren Stewart was uh, trash talking to 
uh, Kevin Holland um, in the closing standards of the third round. I love mm-hmm. the fact that he was saying, come on, Kevin, come on, you can do this, you got this. And like, he yeah. was trying to like, gym up. <laughs> I loved it. But he gave a really good accounting of himself. Darren Stewart, I think for a lot of people, including yourself, come on, uh, were actually counting him out and thought it would be... Well, you, you explained to me how you thought it would go down because the impression that I got from you was that um, obviously it would be very easy and, and not necessarily light work, <laughs> but um, Kevin Holland was actually going to come away with a victory pretty easily. But I have to say, even Kevin Holland said to Dana White, look, I didn't win that. I want to I wanna run that back. Yeah, um, I have no problem letting you just throw this in my face that I totally picked Kevin Holland. Like, even though I picked correctly... Man, I, I walked away with this looking at Darren Stewart totally different. Mm, you know, like he showed. Yeah, you you were absolutely right. He showed East up London to stand fight. Up. Yeah, he showed up to fight in just every aspect of the game. It's just that in true Darren Stewart fashion, he kind of likes to turn it up in the third round because he's going into the third round a little bit behind. And that mm. third round, he's pretty fucking dangerous. But I just want him to pick it up prior to the third round. Do you know, he did it to Edmund Shabazian. That third round, he murdered Edmund, but he still didn't get the, the judge's decision. He still didn't get that yeah. win. Same thing here. In the third round, when he took him down and he did all that shit talking that you was talking about that was so dope. <laughs> he was, I mean, we were laughing. and we was well. Yeah, he was cutting him up and we were eavesdropping and listening to them go back and forth. But if you, you know... If you look closely, he's dropping some hard elbows on him. Yeah, he took him yeah. down twice in the third round, which is important for the judges to see. Finally, mm-hmm. in the third round, Darren Stewart was asserting his dominance. He did not do that in the first and second round. Kevin Holland appeared to be the busier fighter and the more aggressive fighter that had more octagon control. Darren started to do that in the third round, but it was a little bit too late, and I did score it for Kevin. But, man, I was impressed with Darren. Ring me in that. here. Ring me in here. I give the first to Kevin Holland. But the second, am I wrong in thinking that um, that takedown should have counted for something? Or is it because it was on the buzzer that yeah, that I fight th- wasn't counted? I know what you mean, Mike. I watched it this morning closely. And yes, mm-hmm. it appears as if Darren Stewart steals the round with that takedown. But I personally yeah. don't think it was enough. But that was Darren Stewart. That's how he fights towards the end of the second round. He starts cooking. He starts mm-hmm. really nailing things. And everything starts firing towards the mid and second and round. And that's what we saw again. But it's, again, Mike, it's something he has to start doing earlier so that there is no question there is no discussion like we're having right now did he win that round you feel me like yeah i i still think kevin holland won in that he he didn't sneak off with the round with that takedown although it looked good but he didn't win it and another judge might feel like you that he did that's not good you want to win decisively so if he could just kind of heat up earlier he's going to be just fine but I wouldn't mind a rematch or whatnot. I thought they, those two had fun, fun, fun in there, and they were landing some heavy shots. And, Mike, it reminded me of Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier because there was no mm. fans, and they were landing some hard shots that was loud and making me cringe. <laughs> but I loved it, you know? See, whilst I agree with Kevin Holland that they definitely need to run that back, I don't yeah. think that should be run back immediately. No. I just want to see Darren Stewart versus Marvin Vittori next. I want that to happen on Fight Island as well. doesn't appear that Darren sustained any injury. So, fingers crossed, that might just happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good matchup. I think mm. Darren's going to have to work on his wrestling a lot because that's just... Marvin is his wrestling and grappling is pretty phenomenal. pretty good and it, yeah, yeah and it's not just phenomenal it's it's he does it well in mixed martial arts there's a difference between when you're a really good wrestler but you're also a good MMA wrestler and that's true, what he's kind of true. developing into he's kind of like his hands are heavy and he will hit you but he can also shoot down for a takedown in the middle of doing all that and mix it up well so that's mm-hmm. a dangerous fight for Darren so I don't know if Darren is going to be so quick to take that or maybe he does hmm. but I think Speaking it's a good matchup <laughs> Speaking of wrestling, Mackenzie Dern versus Randa Marcos, taking things to the ground. Now, why do people go to the ground with Mackenzie Dern? Why? And do you think, this is my first question to you, do you think that banana skin or that skateboard that she slipped on in the octagon was all part of the setup? Do you think that this was a cunning plan? Because for some reason, Randa Marcos thought it'd be a good idea to uh, follow her to the ground, getting a guard. 
do you know that you know me too well? Because that's the same motherfucking question I was going to ask you right now as soon as you brought up their names. Mike, what the fuck happened? Why did she do that kick like that? I probably tried to kick my older brother like that years ago. What are you doing, ma'am? What are you doing? And then she falls to the ground and then the other one follows her right down. Why would you do that? No one could tell me that was bait. That was definitely a misstep. She just capitalized on the fact that Random Marcos followed her down to the ground. Amazing performance. They both made dumbass mistakes, but it was just Mackenzie Mm. that came out on top. And excuse me, that was just so rude. But they both made huge mistakes, but Mackenzie came out on top because she's just such a better Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. It's not even just better. Mm. She's world class. She's a world champion. Mm. And and then again. I said it before, Rhonda panicked. You could see it in her face, like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, when Mackenzie started to, like, climb her. She just <laughs> doesn't have the gist to defend everything Mackenzie was doing. So, nah. c'est la vie, it was over. And whenever she put that <laughs> heel and that foot over her face, Mike, I knew it was over. I didn't even know what the fuck was she done. was doing. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> I'll tell you something, who knew the fuck what they were doing? Johnny Walker. Calm, composed, and almost... Johnny Walker 2.0. I mean, talk about dispatching Ryan Spann with the swiftness in round one. And I like the fact that he's listened to whatever John Kavanagh has instilled in him because there were no flamboyant or risky or basically over-the-top performances here. It was functional. It was necessary. It was tactical, clinical. And that's, I would love to see this whole new Zen. I mean, if you notice him meditating at the end, this whole new <laughs> Zen approach and see how that actually pans out. Because I think that's definitely worked for him. I, I think you're completely ignoring the fact that he was one fighting Ryan Spann who does struggle with fight IQ. And also, like, I did see some, you know, nice leg kicks in the beginning that really made mm. Ryan Spann go for the takedown. I did see power in Johnny Walker, but I saw the same mistakes that he always makes, Mike, and I'm not going to I'm not going to front. Um he comes in defensively terribly. That chin was straight up. It's why Ryan Spann dropped him twice with a hard right hand. Mm. And if Ryan Spann had just calmed down and not fell and tripped into like a takedown and kind of like switched positions, What's going on with fighters that will go for a takedown and kind of stay in that position until they fucking die from elbows? Like, aren't you supposed to move? <laughs> like, you know, that's why I don't, I'm, I'm giving Johnny Walker credit for responding to that well, like those elbows. But at the same time, you do have to discuss that Ryan Spann made some horrible mistakes in that fight. And defensively as well. Like, he got a little too excited when he dropped Johnny the second time and went in or tripped into that takedown and murder she wrote and got those elbows to his face. But me, Mike, I'm telling you, if I, God forbid, went out in the street and somebody tried to assault me and they punched me 50 times in the left eye, I would move. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) yeah. remember Juan Adams did it with Greg Hardy, too? It was just kind of like, why are y'all going for that single leg while your face is being smashed? (laughs) So, I mean, my perspective was different. I'm looking at Ryan Spann like, what the fuck went on with you? And you looking at Johnny like he's back. But I'm kind of like, Johnny Chin was straight up. I'm a little still nervous and he needs to be developed. Mm, Okay, you say he needs to be developed. A bit more, yep. Um, Who next for Johnny Walker? Mm. Mm, I'd have to look at the rankings. But... I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm unsure, but just I don't think someone like in the in the top ten just yet. Or I still, I Mike, you know, I'm old school. I want fighters to develop. Mm. I still saw that chin that was still coming out. Put it this way: the way Corey Anderson beat him is still the blueprint, and I still saw that. It's just Ryan Spann dropped the ball. He didn't. He didn't do what he needed to do. Because I'm telling you, he dropped him twice with a right hand. Corey Anderson did the same thing. How about um, Alexander Rakic? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd be down for it, but you think uh, he's ready? 100% he's ready. Like I say, I maybe I'm looking at this through rose-colored glasses. I probably am because I, I do like Johnny Walker. And um, yeah. he's a cool interviewer as well. And I just love his vibe, his whole um, persona and um, his aura is good, man. He's, yeah. he's, he's good people. But for me, I saw improvements. I hear you. Yes, there's still improvements to go, but aren't there for many fighters out there come on now yeah yeah i mean uh yeah i could i could see that mike i just mm. i do think that you're you're high up on him a little bit i just i i <laughs> yeah, saw some I like mistakes and that, not mistakes but i just saw that he still needs work 
Mm. Not that he's a bad fighter, but I was just kind of shocked and kind of thought about before. Remember when we, everybody thought he was like a phenom? And now, look, he's getting dropped twice by Ryan Spann. It's kind of like he's where he's supposed to be. He still needs to be developed, if you ask me. You see, so. I'm still on the Johnny Walker hype I train. Can, but speaking I of hype tell. train... <laughs> <laughs> speaking of hype train, Kamzat Chimaev, we're going to learn how to say his name and say his name correctly. Kamzat Chimaev destroyed Gerald Mearshart in literally... I mean, the first... We're talking like, what was it, 17 seconds? 17 seconds. Absolutely derailed him. I mean, considering that um, they were having that banter backwards and forwards before the actual fight about if um, this is what what, um, Gerald Mearshart put forward, Mm. if you submit me, I will give you a black belt. I will find a black belt and give it to you. Now, surely he should be finding a belt for him uh, for destroying him in, in 17 seconds because that was a... That was an annihilation. I mean, talk it, about bodying somebody. It was stunning. It left me with my mouth open for quite mm. a while. You know, like, Chimev was already celebrating and I was still stuck in my seat staring at the screen like, did that really happen? It, yeah. was, it was unreal to me. And I love, love, love the fact that they were beefing for the weigh-ins at the press conference in regards mm-hmm. to who's the better grappler. And, mm-hmm. and, and Cosmat came out and just knocked him out. They didn't even have to grapple. I was stunned. And it was so nice to see something else from him besides just picking someone up and just dragging them across the cage yeah. and, and yeah. beating them up. Like, mm. this, he's got hands. And what he doesn't just have well. power. He's got speed, Mike. Ooh. Yeah. What I liked as well, he prophesied what was going to happen. He told Dana White in the run-up, Oh, did he? You've seen my wrestling. Wait until you see my hands. I'm going to show you my hands in this fight. Yeah. And show him his hands. He did. Damn. Yeah. He's, a, he's a pretty scary dude. And also, Mike... I just want to give a quick shout out to people online that kind of know that Gerald Mirshat is not a rookie fighter. Like, I see a lot of people not impressed. Like, they should be impressed that Shiamab did this to Gerald that quickly and mm. in the first round. Like, he's not a rookie. He has, like, what, he's 31 and 14. He's he's an ace um, submission grappler. He's, what has he got, 74, 74% submission rate. He's beat mm-hmm. up other prospects, Trevin Giles, Eric Spicely, mm-hmm. Deron Wynn. Like, mm-hmm. he's not a newbie. He beats up prospects. He's, he's trying to make his way to the title. So he's, this is the test that people were asking for. So shout out to fans that knew that and are thoroughly impressed with CMF like I am. Gerald Mearshot ain't no small feat, Mike. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm a hater um, of, of Shiamev. I don't like him. <laughs> and I wanted the hype train to be derailed. Mm. But I can't lie and can't say that big things await him if he keeps doing this. Oh, oh wow. 100%. <laughs> Sounded like that car was coming through your front door. It did. I, ju- I jumped. That's why I said, oh, wow. Like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> you Brooklyn, know what didn't usual. make me say, wow? Mm. Donald Cerrone. I mean... I'm not one, as you know, and I know you aren't too, to tell someone to actually hang them up, but this fight ending in a draw, a decision draw, it made me think, we've seen the best days of Donald Cerrone, and I don't think anything is going to reignite his passion with fighting, because we just keep on seeing Donald Cerrone. We never see Cowboy anymore. I think Cowboy has hung up his hat, because this, to me, was... Donald Cerrone just going through the motions. Now, I know that this wasn't him just picking up a a paycheck. I know that this wasn't him just actually, you know, hanging on uh, to his former glory. But it wasn't pretty to watch. It It was very sad, if I'm honest with you. No, you took the words out of my mouth. I thought it was very sad. He just... I don't know. Lately, these older fighters that we've been watching, like Robbie Lawler, Donald Cerrone, and and yes, of course, we'll get to Tyron, but they're fighting like they're underwater. They just cannot react anymore. It's kind of like they show up to spar, but we're show we're here to watch them fight. Yeah. And they and they also they're just taking their time with everything. I just feel like, do you guys think that you have ten rounds to finish the fight? Like, when are you guys gonna? <laughs> like warm up up and and wake up it's like Mm. they're in a trance they just cannot 
They cannot fire back. They cannot counter the way that they used to. Even Donald Cerrone, I saw him do like this combination to Nico Price that was a little bit, it looked similar to that beautiful combination he landed on Rick's story, but it didn't land. He was out of range and slow mm. and it looked bad and I, I got so sad. You know, I'm not Man. a fan of Donald Cerrone myself, but I know what he's capable of and I just didn't like what I saw. Okay, like I say, I know you and I don't tell fighters to hang them up, but let's just imagine you got the air of Donald Cerrone. Well, what mm -hmm. do you say to what do you say to somebody who obviously is clearly passionate about fighting, obviously is clearly passionate about fighting for the UFC, and obviously clearly wants to get back in there to kind of right this wrong. But given <laughs> given the losing streak is on at the moment, what do you say to him? What are you fighting for? Like, what do you like about it? What do you, mm. what motivates you? Yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of the older fighters just fight like they've been doing this too long. Like, there's nothing special about it anymore to them. Although they might enjoy the fight camp or whatever they enjoy about fighting, they might actually like that, but they're not showing up like they enjoy it. You know, it seems just almost like a job. Yeah. And even yeah. Donald Cerrone said himself at the post uh, at the at the conference, he kept saying, "I need to address my inner bitch" or something like that, and he needs a sports psychologist to figure out why he just can't react, why he can't just not you know look like he's sparring. And if you yeah. have to dig deep for things like that, what are you doing <clears throat> it for? You know, a lot of the advice that you've given to Donald Cerrone, I have to say, could be kind of like tipped over and uh, recycled for Tyron Woodley because. You and yes. I, you know, called this. We knew going into Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley that we wouldn't see vintage Tyron Woodley, that we wouldn't see Tyron Woodley's hand actually raised, that we would see almost a one-sided shutout by Colby Covington. And that's exactly what happened. For me, it was sad to see. It was sad in that this literally is... Well, I suppose it's 15 rounds now. When you count it up, yes. how many times that he's actually been in there? This is 15 rounds where he has failed to pull the trigger. Tyron Woodley has failed to deliver. Tyron Woodley has failed to get his ass in gear. And it's yeah. like he's been... He enjoys being backed up, almost as though I'm going to I'm gonna function off the counter any, any yeah. second now. He but needs to, to explode off the cage, and it's nuts. Exactly. It's like, get your back off the cage mm. i just was screaming that all night like move and go oh go ahead mike to have to have someone <laughs> with mediocre i mean no no disrespect i've got to give him his props he destroyed mm -hmm. i think it was a one-sided shot he destroyed woodley's confidence in that you know he he was basically relentless with it taking control of that octagon center for like a, a, a well the full 25 minutes was just mm -hmm. phenomenal plus i mean what did Tyron Woodley in terms of shots get off and to have his ribs destroyed with those kicks which you know were phenomenal and again this is like you know somebody who relies on his wrestling now yeah. okay in recent competitions we've seen him in recent clashes we've seen him rely on his hands but again I think I mentioned it just a while ago I don't want to disrespect him but that isn't his strongest suit his wrestling is obviously, you know, his gold standard when it comes to fighting. So it was just really disappointing to see yet again Tyron Woodley not show up. I just can't help but think that he does need to take your advice and that is maybe invest in a sports psychologist. Perhaps stay with fighting, but perhaps talk to Scott Coker. I really, I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I don't mean it in a bad way. I'll tell you why. Right. I, I feel that he still has fight in him. But I think a combination of um, favorable matchups, which you're not going to get in the UFC, True. but you will get in Bellator mm -hmm. and a sports psychologist, getting his confidence back is where this man needs to be. And I think that his confidence will be regained if there was less pressure, if there was less emphasis on Tyron, Tyron, you got to pull the trigger, you got to pull the trigger. Yeah. If, uh, but more emphasis on him performing and performing well, if that makes sense. So yeah. yeah, exploding off the cage. Yeah, instead of backing up. Um, do let's let's see some um, keeping keeping but, your opponent on the back foot. Mike, how does a sports psychologist teach a man not to fight a certain way if they've been doing it for so long? I think that's just his style of fighting and it's just not working anymore and he doesn't know how to fix that. He makes no mid fight adjustments whatsoever. And even you know, even mm, go ahead, Mike. Go on, sorry. 
I said even even little things like I saw Colby Covington land some beautiful like two to three punch combo off of a front kick because you know he was kicking him all night and then mm. after he delivered the final front kick no bullshit Corn- um, Colby was like ooh and Tyron was still reacting to the kick and it's just yeah. like Usman did not allow Colby to enjoy or to look at his work he would counter him immediately and Tyron did not have that instinct to like all he did was circle away it's like Tyron throw a punch counter Usman did it when he fought him you know he did not allow for Colby to stand there and say ooh or to admire his work and that's something that Colby does he doesn't make mid-fight adjustments if the game plan of of exploding off the fence is not there for him and to drop someone with a heavy right hand Mm. he's fine with just not with drowning he's okay with just not getting knocked out and you know, I don't know if sorry? a sports psychologist can address that, Mike. I, I think I think a sports psychologist would definitely get um, their money's worth, or or um, sorry, um, Woodley would definitely get his money's worth with a sports psychologist. I tell you why. I feel that his hit in and out of love is an ode to his relationship <laughs> with mixed martial arts. Because check it, look at this, right? And I don't mean this disrespectfully. Look. Do you remember when he fought Robbie Lawler? That was when he was in love with mixed martial arts. Do you remember when he fought Damian Meyer? That was when he was in love with mixed martial arts. Do you remember when he destroyed Darren Till? That was when he was in love with mixed martial arts. It's almost as though for the last, what, two fights, he's been out of love with mixed martial arts that's what i'm saying i really do feel that we have to check the deeper meanings and i just you know i wish if this were the the shots fired aspect of what we do because i know that um kairos would be chiming in now and saying yes 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 because there is a deeper meaning to the lyrics than just (laughs) about love of the female i think that it's about it's an ode to mixed martial arts Yeah, I mean, I see your point. I just think there's more to it. I think it's more than just like he doesn't have a love for it. I also think it's age. I also think he's past his prime. It's probably, you know, it's, it's just it's never just so black and white to me, you know, and it also too, he's been fighting this way for years. He's been Mm. figured out pressure him stay in front of him hit him with those body shots like Colby did and he won and also real quick let's discuss Colby Covington did you notice that American top team he was kind of more frantic with his striking and just coming forward and mixing up the wrestling last night all he did was pressure Woodley he he wasn't that crazy striking mix it up type of guy and and like Mm. how he fought Robbie Lawler who wherever he's at I think it's a you know a team named after him now Colby Covington and Incorporated or something, whatever, That's wherever right, he trains, yeah. <laughs> mm. wherever they, he's training, they've slowed him down and are trying to make him more methodical. And it worked on Tyron Woodley, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. But it, but again, Tyron had nothing for him. He didn't even he couldn't answer to that. And the and the worst part about it, Mike, was that this happened so early on in the first round. Tyron Woodley came out like a bat out of hell. I don't know if you noticed mm. it, and I was like, yeah, we got a fight. But then Colby yeah. took him down. And then exactly. the fight was Sapped over. his confidence. Mm. Yes. It and, was and over. And that's just it. I have to say, what Covington said uh, post-fight was quite revealing. I don't know how much of it was true, but he was talking about the fact that um, Woodley needed to have set up a prenup with his ex-wife. And it made me think, how much of his story does he know that happens behind the scene? Does he know? Because obviously that's playing on his mind. Obviously, you know, his worries or his woes with his ex-wife obviously affects his mindset and his training. But not only that, do you remember it was a short while ago that, you know, um, Woodley was talking about being out in the clubs and maintaining a certain lifestyle and spending lots of money. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is what he's doing, just paying off debts just by getting in there and just performing just to make that paycheck payment. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever know, Mike. I don't know because I don't believe Tyron was being very honest when he was like, oh, I'm going to let go of my hands or whatnot. I don't think he addressed those issues that me and you are breaking down right now. 
you know? Yeah. And then also, yeah, it was kind of inappropriate for Kobe to bring that up, but was it a factor in why, like, Tyron doesn't just seem into this sport anymore? Maybe he has mm. so much going on. I don't play too much into Tyron's career. I don't like his rap career or his music, but people are in my ear telling me, like, he was really into it. He was doing radio shows. Like, he seemed to have a whole life outside of MMA, and people think that distracted him or... You know, maybe he's just not into fighting anymore. I never fed yeah. into it, but I've heard these things, Mike. So he was good in Straight Out Compton. All uh, thirty seconds of him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was... did you see him? Who say it he again? He had a bit part. Woodley had a bit part in Straight Out Compton. Oh, I didn't. Um, no, I didn't hear yeah. correctly. Yeah. Oh wow. When they rocked up at the, I think it was the scene where they went to the um, record offices to, I think it was to to get Cube's money or something like that. Yeah. I, he, I know he he actually because I think I I watched it ages ago, so it's a, it's a vague memory, but he definitely was in Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, I mean he's trying his hand at different things. Like, mm. but like I said, Mike, it could be so many things. But please right. don't forget too, age. You know, look at Robbie Lawler. Look at look at Cowboy. You can start mm -hmm. throwing some of these fighters in the mix, and you can start to see. It sucks to start to see their decline, and decline can play a part in this. He seems frozen, for real. True, true. Yeah. Speaking of in the mix, let's put some listener questions in the mix. We have a few to get through, so let's start with a few from Twitter. Do you want to grab a handful of the uh, first few? Oh, man. Off the top, Ashley MMA wants to get into politics. Check this out. She said, wow. more and more fighters are being open about their political standings. It could be a majority of reasons, current climate, election year, Trump supporting MMA. But why do you guys think that they are starting to be more vocal? And on a lighter note, what's your, two, your UFC 253 meal going to be? You see, 253 meal is going to be Domino's pizza. I've actually planned this out to a T. I was going to have Domino's yesterday, but um, just to mix it up, I normally get Papa John's, so it will be Domino's pizza. But why I think people are getting more and more uh, political, I think it's because for you guys, it's, well, I suppose for the globe, for the world, this is a very crucial time. A lot of people love him or hate him have a lot to say about Donald Trump. So there is a lot riding on whether he returns to office or not. So for those people with a vested interest in him either getting in or not getting in, they're going to flex their political muscle, even though it's not a political platform, uh, mixed martial arts. That is why, because it is such a contrasting human being that we are being presented with. Plus, you know, he, he does polarise people in terms of their views, and um, quite a lot of people are, well, they have passionate thoughts about this. What do you think? I think it's a couple things. I think it's a combination of the political climate at the time. You know, we have a controversial president. We had all, some other countries have a controversial president. It's just like kind of the thing that's going on right now, unfortunately. And yeah. also the timing of it. Americans are about to have an election, which means things are getting grimy over here. Voter fraud, defunding the police. There's like fear-mongering campaigns. There's all types of stuff. Mm. And I think lastly, Mike, we need to focus on the fact that media and also politics and UFC, all of this stuff is making people money. So if you get up there and you dress up like a MAGA clown and you start saying all types of stuff, it, it not that it sells or that Kobe's making money off of this stuff, it's bringing yeah. attention to the sport. He's using politics to bring attention to the sport. Because look how Tyron dressed up too when he was promoting this, the fight with Kobe. You know, like this, this po political stuff and people being so divided is actually stuff that people are into, unfortunately. So you're going to see a lot more of it in the sport. And it doesn't help that they have Donald Trump in the pocket. He called Kobe last night after the win. Ooh. So you're going to see more and more fighters gloating about their relationship with Trump or going to more dinners and whatnot. So it's just buckle up, get ready. You're going to see more of it. Wow. Is it yeah. the same in the States as it is in the UK in that there is this um, kind of a movement or there, there is a sentiment which is really gathering pace online and that is if you are a sports person, if you're a musician and you are not actually making your um, stance clear on Black Lives Matter, or even just where you stand politically, then your silence is basically complicity. 
Um, we have some of that, yes, of course. In the, oh, okay. And I mean, you know, look at Tyron Woodley when it came to the N word and Mike, Michael Perry. Yet he was a yet he was a strong supporter of Black Lives Matter before fighting Colby. Was this about mm-hmm. promoting the cause and bringing awareness to what's going on with Black people, or were you trying yeah. to promote your fight, Tyron? You know, so. I don't know. It gets it, it gets tricky and complicated with politics, but like I keep telling everybody online and what I'm going to tell Ashley, buckle up, it's going to get worse. <laughs> wow. Not I worse, think. but there'll be more. It depends where you stand, though, Mike, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we've got Pamela Vigil um, on audio, so let's just queue up her Hi, words. it is Pamela from Wholesome MOA. Um, I'm actually awake this morning. Um, <laughs> So we know that Chandler is going to be flying in, or has already flown in, whatever, um, as the replacement in case anything happens in the in the fight next week. Um, how much of a problem do you think he would be for e- either one of them, um, Izzy or Costa? I I honestly just don't know that much about him. I feel like I tried to look him up a little bit. I just. I don't know. So there's so many fighters right now. I mean, there's always been a lot of fighters. I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. But point is, um, how much of a problem do you think he would be if he has to replace somebody? Um, yeah. All right. Bye. Have I oh, got so my adorable. ears switched on? Um, and I, have I got this right? I thought that he was being flown in as a backup for the um, the Maga Madoff and um, Gaethje fight. I didn't know it was... Izzy and uh, Costa. Uh, is, <laughs> no, is that right? No, that's not right. What happened is, is that my friend probably had a couple edibles before calling us in. You know, I follow her closely I, I on Twitter. I something. Yeah, trust me. I know what she did. And I, I saw, because, you know, I saw right through it and I completely understood her question. And it was, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was a, probably a good edible. So, wow. but, <laughs> no, but she, I know what she means though. Chandler, is uh, signed a contract the UFC, but he's on standby for Khabib and Justin Gaethje. He's doing That's a right. full camp and everything. So if either yeah. one of them falls through, whether it's right now or the night of the fight, you know, he's he's there. He'll come out the crowd and fight if he has to, if one of them trips and falls. That's the yeah. that's the agreement. So I think he loses to both fighters if he does. You know, I think okay. if he fights Khabib, he gets he gets smashed. I think if he fights yeah. Justin, he gets knocked out. I think Justin and Khabib are on a level um, way higher than Michael Chandler, but he will put up a good fight. But I don't think he can um, compete with either one as far as like actually winning the the title. No. Same, same, same. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's why I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I thought that he was being uh, filled, or he he was being lined up to fill in for Dustin Poirier and um, that would have been uh, an incredible matchup if he took his place because um, we all know El Kukuri is my preferred um, option and preferred opponent to face Chandler and to welcome him into the UFC so who else we got Oh, yeah, we got Riley Gangle and he said with the meteoric rise of um, Cosmos Shimaev and Dana Chimaev. now Chimaev. Okay, hold on, hold on, rewind. We're going to be saying this for a while now. <laughs> and the fact is, when he's champion, it will be too late to have perfected his uh, his 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 name. It's Kamzat Chimaev. Kamzat Shimaev. There you go. Boom. Kazmat Shimaev. Let me make it a little Haitian. Kazmat Shimaev. Okay. No, no, no. Kamzat. 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 Kamzat Chimaev. Uh, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta work on this one, Kamzat Shimaev. So he That's says, close. close enough. Close enough. <laughs> it's gonna take a while, brother. Mm. He said, with the meteoric rise of you know who and Dana now saying Maya might not be ready. Who do you think? Excuse me. Oh, okay. Now he worded this in a way that I'm having trouble reading. Hold on okay. for a sec. He said, what yeah. do you think they do with him now? So basically he's saying that it sounds like Damian Maya is not ready to fight him because you know Cosmat is supposed to fight him and it looks like he's not ready. Who does he fight mm. next? Leon Edwards. Mm. Leon, Leon Edwards. Edwards. Because, because I tell you for two reasons. One, we saw what he's capable of last night, so he's definitely on that hype train. And you know, you know, 
I think he is Dana's boy right now. Now imagine if, let's just imagine for a second that mm-hmm. Edwards came in and smashed Dana's boy. Come on, immediate title shot. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But even, hear me out. I still, Mm -hmm. you know me, Mike. You're not going to like my answer, and I don't think the listeners are either. I still think he needs to be developed or not even developed. Why can't can't he (laughs) keep fighting? Why does he have to fight someone right away that's like in title contention, like Leon Edwards? Like, he just got here. Why can't he hold his capable of? Yeah, but why can't he fight like a, a Joff Neal, a Vincent Luque, or Neil Magny? Like, why can't he, like, that's not a step up? Those are dangerous they're men. On, mm, they're not in this level. You don't, um, you don't think, mm, I'd like no. to see, though. I'd like to see that before we throw him to Leon Edwards, you know, or, or even like Kevin Holland won, right? Before he runs mm. that back with Darren Stewart. Why can't he fight um, Cosmod? Why not? He That'd would be a destroy. great fight. He would he'd break. Kevin Holland in the half. Why Come not? on now. Why not? Yo, one of these days, y'all are going to get on board with one day the UFC is going to have a superstar and they're going to get the Greg Hardy development plan or they're going to get the MVP <laughs> can crush plan. And y'all going to sit and enjoy it because you're going to develop somebody that's going to turn into a super beast. And y'all going to enjoy him killing people. Like, I just cannot stand when somebody shows up and the next minute they're in title contention and it's just the ride is over. Look at Edmund Shabazian. Y'all going to be screaming derailment. Y'all started to say that with him. Look at Johnny Walker. It's like, I'm not ready to kind of bail on this dude if something happens. Like, develop the motherfucker. Damn. Hold on, hold on. I never bailed on Johnny Walker. I was, I'm a, like I said, (laughs) today I I, I stand and... I am the head of the fan club. Nah. But nah, I see where you're coming from. There are so many yeah, people who like, jump on the bandwagon and then they jump off because, you know, as soon as the hype is derailed, it's like, ah, he was shit anyway. <laughs> I just don't want us to say that we gave him a title shot too soon, even though he's doing great things. Yeah. And let's not forget his first two opponents were terrible on the ground and they were inadequate in that department. And for someone like him, he is supposed to just destroy them like that. And yes, he blew, you know, he he blew me away with that with that 17 second knockout. But at the same time, I don't mind if you give him another person that's on Gerald's um, level or even a little bit higher, like a, a Neil Magny or Vincent Luque. Imagine him and Vincent Luque. Man, come on. Vincent got hands. <laughs> you know and and he's not as slow as as Gerald Mirshad you know and then not only that Gerald Mirshad from the gate you could kind of tell he was in trouble the fight was mm. 17 seconds and he came out looking like a wilted plant he looked so sad and scared in just that short period of time I don't know he didn't he didn't look confident going into the fight though I will say that so I don't know Mike I'm okay. not in a rush I'm not in a rush <laughs> let's have some more audio Todd Rhino from Combat Sports with Rhino. Hey, Mike and G. It's your big homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. My question for you this week is, suppose you two are going to be making your debut for the UFC, your very first fight in front of the bright lights, in front of all the millions of people who watch and who analyze everything. Who are you guys bringing as your corner people? You get three. Um, to be one to be your chief second, and then the other two to kind of be auxiliary people. Uh, for me, I'm definitely taking Duke Rufus as my coach. Trevor Whitman would be in there too. And then I think DC. I think Daniel Cormier has a great eye, and I think he's a good coach. Um, so, yeah, those would probably be my three. It would be Duke Rufus, Trevor Whitman, and DC. Very curious as to the three people that you guys would pick to corner you in your UFC debut. Love you guys. Love the show. Talk to you later. I would go for someone who is just technically sound and proficient and pinpoint precise when it comes to picking apart people. And that's Dan, Dan Hardy. His analytical skills, when he breaks down inside the octagon, love it. He would be amazing, like feeding back and like the, just chewing up the data on the fly and saying you need to do this you need to do that i would say him definitely duke rufus his technical prowess and ability to actually um to actually transfer information based on what he's seen in the opening standards or even in the first round and relay that back and really kind of like calm you down quickly and easily i'd have him and finally i'd have john kavanagh the way in which he kind of like delivers things in a in a very zen fashion because i'd be stressed anyway 
So I'd need someone like that to calm my ass down because, you know, my heart would be doing palpitations and um, my mind would be scrambled. So he's really good at just relaxing, coaxing and getting the best performance out of out of you. And for some reason, people do find him very easy to listen to. I've, I've seen him and being up close and, and personal and, and actually sat next to him whilst he's cornering people. Mm. And he does an amazing job. I do rate John Kavanagh. So those three. I mm. would say um, I like the the coaching of Rafael Cordero. Okay. I, I like his I like his striking prowess with his team and whatnot, and he seems to just have a calming manner about him. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about him that I really like in his coaching, and I've actually met him, and he's really nice. And in person, he is also very calming. He's really laid back. I mm. think Trevor Whitman is a star coach. You know, like I would oh, definitely. That's a wicked, want him. wicked, wicked coach. Go on. Yeah. yeah, he's wicked. And as far as somebody analyzing me, I would agree with you and Dan with Dan Hardy. You know, oh, I've really? seen a lot of his stuff on like YouTube, and I mm. quite enjoy his analytics. And I'm kind of blown that he's not um, on the mic anymore. I do think he needed a timeout because I thought his behavior was a bit over the top. But I I understand why he was so upset with Herb Dean, and I do think he needs to step away for a little bit. But I would like for him to come back to break down fights. Am I getting a little bit um, conspiratorial in the way that I'm thinking? In that. I just thought that he wasn't actually uh, on the mic because he was actually brought in for the Fight Island gigs. Am I? Am I? Am I? Uh, am I being overly kind here? Um, I don't. I'm. I'm unsure because I really don't know why he was brought. I don't know the details of that. Yeah, you might have to tell me more about that. See, I fought for the EMEA, and that is uh, the European and Middle Eastern uh, cards. Um. That's when they bring in the EMEA team. Yeah. So I, I think that's why you've not seen him on on the. Uh, oh, okay. On okay. Commentary. So he's he's oh he's only supposed to be on fight. Okay. Fight. Yeah. That makes sense. I thought maybe because I remember Dana was talking big shit about like anybody that does that gets disciplined, and then I noticed that he's just not as vocal. You know, or or just even online, or just even I haven't seen him at some fights, but that does make sense. I was a little mm. worried about that but i do like his analytics and i would pick him you know i 100 i I definitely definitely agree with you there yeah so we we we, we'd uh we'd have a a powerhouse in terms of um coaching stuff next question let's go yeah i think we'd be all right um Mm. next question here it says here they want us to discuss um ty fly guy He's like, could you discuss the future of Tywin Woodley, a, you know, a bit more? And he wants to know, do we think he should hang it up? And I know earlier you discussed that you think he, you don't think he should and he should go to Bellator. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's and... real talk because I, I don't think that he's done. I don't think that, um, I don't think the, 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 the issue is that he's fallen out of love with fighting. I mean, getting back to his track, falling in and out of love. I just think that he needs a coach or sorry, not a coach. He needs a sports psychologist who's going to coax the best out of him because there's obviously something going on there on a psychological level. Plus, I just think that there, there is pressure, undue pressure heaped upon him in the UFC. And he needs to he needs to take be taken away from that stressful environment. Okay, we've got another audio question from Dave Fretz. Let's uh, see what Dave has to say. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Got a question for you today. I'm curious uh, about your thoughts on uh, Chimaev and uh, what happens for him here. Uh, I'm wondering how far up the ladder you feel we need to go before he gets a serious challenge. Uh, and then on top of that, how possible do you think that any ranked opponent is going to want to fight with this guy right now? Do you think they can book one of these fights? And if so, who do you think is is the fighter to take the fight and, and possibly stop this man? Uh, he's looked incredible so far. We haven't seen a whole lot. We haven't seen him in any deep waters, any trouble at all. So I'm just curious as to what you think the potential is here based on those uh, questions I have for you. We'll talk soon. First time calling. Thanks. So, Mike, we are going to... I have a question for you, and we're going to tie it directly to Dave's question. 
what weight class does Shemaya fight in? I'm dizzy. He goes back and forth, but what's the official weight class? When he first entered the UFC and he took on um, the white Mike Tyson in John Phillips, I love the, the, <laughs> white, Mike, the white Mike Tyson. I have to say that is one of the wickedest. It um, makes me laugh, yeah. In the UFC, but he's now the Welsh record machine. He was, to cut to the chase, a middleweight. Now, it was, mm-hmm. what, several, several weeks later, we're talking like just, what, three, four weeks later, if that, that um, Chemayev was fighting at welterweight. It seems as though he can, at a moment's notice, just Flip-flop. go from one weight class to another, which is fantastic because yeah. the more Chemayev we see, the better. So, right. because- go on. If the, the UFC has more options with him between weight classes, we get to see him yes. more, is basically what you're yep. saying. Yes. So it, that's, that's, it's why Dana, every time he sees him, he's like, cha-ching, like, you know, he can, he can make a killing yeah. here. Um, as far as I'm thinking, because it's good to know where he fights to answer Dave's question. And, you know, we discussed prior in the show, Mike, you said that, you know, you want him to face Leon Edwards mm. and probably like a title shot because you're that type of yep. fan. You just fucking want to throw them at the wolves. <laughs> and, you know, I am like somebody, little scared mama. I want to develop the fighters even if they're killers. <laughs> so we already covered mm. that. But I do agree with Mike here, Dave, to answer your question that the person that stops him or that is going to give him fits, even if, you know, is Leon Edwards. There's a possibility Leon could beat him. I think Leon might struggle with him as a grappler, but Leon has the hands to give him a problem. He has, he's, uh, my favorite words, defensively sound. I think he can slip those punches that Mearshot <laughs> did not see coming. I think Leon's a better boxer than him, and I think that would be a really good fight. I, Mike, you agree, right? No, I think you're underestimating his um, grappling prowess and the fact that he took on and won against Gunnar Nelson. Now, Gunnar Nelson's no slouch. No, 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 but, but, but Mike, I'm not underrating his grappling mm. at all. And I agree oh. with you that that was my moment, too, where it's like he can grapple. And also, it's not just that fight. Whenever he's in grappling exchanges, he usually has the upper mm. hand. He's good in the clinch. He can put you against the mm-hmm. fence. He can take you down. And also, he he's always in an advantageous position when he's grappling, even if he's not reaching for a submission. Yeah. Leon Edwards is a good grappler. I just think Shemaev might be better. And that's where we might see him beat Leon Edwards. But I think Leon gives him fits. And everybody else, I think Shemaev can beat. You know, like, I mean, look at last night. 17 fucking yeah, seconds exactly. against, like, you know... Someone with a um, forty-fight record, mm. Gerald Battle Mearshot. Battle tested as well. Yes, that's what I mean by that. Gerald Mearshot beats up um, prospects: yeah. Trevin Giles, yeah. Eric Spicely, yeah. Deron Wynn. You know, he, he's a he's a great submission mm. artist. He's a black belt. That's why they were going back and forth about mm-hmm. the black belt. And then he comes out there and he smokes <laughs> him. I think I think Leon can give him a problem. I don't know if he beats him, but I also think Leon can beat Colby uh, Covington since we're on it, since we're on this topic. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I would struggle only because I don't think that um, Covington will throw hands with Leon. It would be a strict, I'm taking you down <sighs> at will type of fight. So yeah. that's. It would be that forensic fighting that I described earlier. It would be better for him to kind of speed it up and do that chain wrestling and be erratic with it for Leon. Exactly. I I put him in the same category as Usman, and Usman, as we know, has um, beaten Edwards before. But um, just before we go, do we have time for one more? I know we've been very heavy on the the questions, but I just want to answer one more. I'm sure you do too. Oh, of course. Let me take... um one more look. We have a bunch. Um, oh, Darren Stewart. Let's talk about him. Opie, the almighty Paul on Twitter says, Darren Stewart looked like he has improved leaps and bounds. Lost two split decisions. Mm-hmm. I believe he won the last fight, which was Edmund Shabazian. Yeah. But what's next for him? I, I think I said this earlier. I really do want to see him actually come up against... Um, Jeez, his name has obviously slipped out my mind now. I want to see... Martin Vittori. Martin Vittori. I want to see him and Marvin, Marvin Vittori yes. because that was previously booked. And I love the fact that Marvin Vittori talks a good game and his, the fact that, you know, his wrestling is on point, which will be a problem for, for Dan. But I just want to see that matchup. How about you? That's a, that's a tough matchup for him. But, yeah, I could, I could see that. 
I don't know if if he would agree to that. That's a really, really tough fight. Um, call me selfish or maybe because of recency bias, but I, I kind of want to see him fight Kevin Holland again. Not like overnight, but I could see that. I could see them run it back again. I can't get past the no fans and when they just started dropping bombs and all that shit talking that took place. They had so much fun. I want to see it again. Oh, man, me and you both. Well. Yeah. That about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. We'll be back midweek with Shots Fired with the gang, Kairos and Chisanga. And um, if anybody wants to actually continue any of the talking points we covered on this week's episode, you can get me at MikeWoTV on Twitter. Love to talk to you. How about yourself, G? Where can people find you? And I would love to meet you at the G-Spot MMA. That's about it for me, Mike. Until next week.